are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Open your Bible with me, if you will, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. Chapter 19 of the Gospel of John. Beginning with verse 16, Then delivered he them, him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away, and he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, on either side one and Jesus in the center. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place, and he and Greek then said that the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. And there it stands. It was the custom in the days of the Roman execution when a person was being taken to the place of execution that a soldier went before the person carrying a placard on which was written the nature of the crime for which they were being executed. And this day as they moved outside the city of Jerusalem over the cobblestone streets and around the hillside and up toward Calvary, a man went before carrying a sign on which was written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And when they saw the mistake that they had made, they returned to Pilate and said to Pilate, Write not that this is the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate, seeing the malignity of their heart, for once had some courage and backbone, and stood up and said to them, What I have written, I have written. And there it stands. What would have been the need to change it anyway? Thousands had already read it because it was written in Greek and Hebrew and Latin, and thousands had already read it. And I think what he said, what I have written, I have written, that suggests to me that our lives are records, and that, they're, that they are unchangeable. Our lives are unchangeable. The Fist Jubilee singers used to sing the old spiritual, For my God is a writing, is a writing all the time. And so, I say sometimes that when we are born into this world, we are born, and we are born on an even break. We are given a blank sheet of paper. Our lives, that blank sheet of paper represents our lives. And then soon we begin to write upon it. And we write the history of our lives, and sometimes that is so written that it is unalterable and unchangeable. Therefore, we should be very careful how we write them. How we write them. A young lady said to me not long ago, she said, I don't care what people say about me. I said, I do. I do. I care what they say about me. You say, Dr. Lakin, our lives are unchangeable and unalterable. Why? Because they're indelibly stereotyped in our memory. They're indelibly stereotyped in our memory. Someone said, let the dead bury the dead, but that's one thing that won't die. 
memory will not die. It may be buried for a little while. It may be buried for a little while. But sometimes at the happiest moment of our lives, it stalks forth from the closet to shake its bony fingers in our face and say, Remember this. There's always something to remember us of, of, of our sin, and always something to remember us to cause us to remember our mistakes in our past. Therefore, we should be very careful. Why? You take David. David had only to hear the story of the little ewe lamb. David had only to hear the story of the little ewe lamb until he remembered having Uriah killed that he might have his wife. He had only to hear that story of the little ewe lamb until he cried out and said, I am verily guilty. When the man said, Thou art the man, the brethren of Joseph, the brethren of Joseph, remember when they sold him down into the land of Egypt, they only had to stand before Joseph and see until they said, We're verily guilty concerning our brother. We're verily guilty concerning our brother. Something will not erase it from your mind. Something will not erase it from your thinking and erase it from your memory. For instance, there's always something to remind us of it. Always something to remind us of it. Even to die doesn't release you from your memory. You read that marvelous story in the New Testament about two people in this world, one a very rich man and the other a beggar who lay at the rich man's gate full of sores. And I've often thought how the rich man arose of a morning. And after, he, after his dressing and getting ready for the office, went out and his carriageman, his carriage and his coachman waited for him. And he stepped into his carriage and was whisked down the tree-lined driveway and out of the gate. Out of the gate and into the highway and on down to the place of business. But on the way out, he saw a man lying there morning after morning. might have seen him, and then other times he might not, because he was so concerned. But you know something? He could see a hand stretched out that was begging and seeking for alms. And one day the Bible says that the rich man died and was buried. Oh, I think they had a big funeral. They had pallbearers and honorary pallbearers. And the leading orator and the leading clergyman, perhaps of the city, eulogized him and told what a marvelous man he was. But a morning or two before that, he had wheeled out of the sea, he had wheeled out of the gate, and down as he started down, he looked. No longer was the hand reached out to him, but matted hair and dirty face, and over his eyes and face that night, the spiders had won, had spun a web. And he had died, but no funeral. He had died, but no flowers. He had died, but no pallbearers, except angels. God sent the angels of pallbearers to bury him to, the, to his father's bosom. And the rich man died and was buried. And he said, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. And in hell he lifted up his eyes. Someone said in a song, we live dangerously and die and forget it all, but you don't forget it all. Even if you go into the other world, and I hope you don't, I hope you do not go to hell. 
I'm doing all I can to keep people out of it, and I believe there is one. Amen? But if you do remember this, you'll take your senses with you. The rich man did. His feeling, his seeing, all of it and his thirst he took with him. And he could see, and he could talk, and he could feel, he said, I'm tormented. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me, for I am tormented in this shame. And then he said, Son, remember. Son, remember. Oh, you didn't remember it down yonder, but you're going to remember it now. That you in your day had the valuable things and Lazarus had the poor things, but now he's comforted and you are tormented. And I think up and down the streets of that lost world now, charred by the, surrounded by the charred walls of that Plutonian night and surrounded by the darkness, I see one as he screams and said, I remember, I remember, and I think the face of Lazarus ever before him. Let me say this to you. Your life is terribly stereotyped in your memory. Number two, your life, my friend, your life is an unalterable record because it's indelibly stereotyped in your conscience. Conscience is the thing that causes the livery of, of embarrassment to hang out on your face. Conscience is the judge and the jury that sits on, your, on the throne of your soul and condemns the wrong and applauds the right. Conscience. Conscience. You say, let conscience die, it will not die. It may be seared. It may be seared, but conscience will not die. Conscience is the thing that drives some people to insanity. Conscience will drive to insanity. I mean the sense of guilt will drive people to insanity. Conscience is, is the thing that drives some people to self-destruction. That's what causes the man to come from the midnight party and perhaps throw his evening suit on the chair and pull, a, pull out a drawer and take a gun and put it to his temple and blood and brain spatters on the wall. Why? Conscience. Conscience. Conscience is what makes the young girl stand on the, on, the banner, on the bridge with her hands upon the banisters and then leap into a watery grave. What? Conscience. Conscience. Conscience is the heavy footfalls of deity that walks across your soul. That's the mighty monitor that says... You are verily guilty. Causes you to toss at night and not to sleep though the pillow be soft. You know, for 40, for 53 years I've been on the road most of the time. You know what I've always tried to do? I've always tried to live when I was away from home, the same as at home. But I've always tried to live that when I go home, I can sit down and look across the table at my wife and family without a blush, without fear of, of, without fear of being found out. That makes you fearful. The third, why is your life indelibly stereotyped? Because it's indelibly stereotyped in the lives of others. No man liveth unto himself alone. You said, am I my brother's keeper? In a way, yes, we are our brother's keeper. Because no man lives unto himself alone. Your life affects mine and mine affects yours. And I wonder sometimes, this one thing, I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes 
What life I've caused to go astray. What life have I injured this day? You sitting here this you sitting here listening today and you said, I wonder what life I've touched and soiled and harmed and hurt. You say, Dr. Lakin, I've harmed someone, I've hurt some life. What can I do about it? There's not much you can do once you've soiled a life. Except to do this, to pray God to be more free to foot than you, and bring them back. Why? Because milk once spilled cannot be gathered up. And a bullet once sped from the gun to penetrate the bare brain of the victim cannot be called back. All we do is pray God be more, more fleet of foot than I and bring them back. That's the only thing we can pray. I want you to know this. Pray that God may be... Listen. He says, that, you say, how are we going to hurt others? I walked through, the, I walked through a home one day for people that were deformed and for people that were were hurt and for people that without minds. And I said to a person, I said, I said to, the, to the superintendent, what's the cause of all of it? He said, Preacher, have you never read in the Bible that I will visit the sin of the parents upon the third and the fourth generation? Upon the third and the fourth generation. I was preaching once in a city in Indiana, and a woman said to me, Dr. Lakin, her husband was a big businessman had a great business in the city and was honorable and respected. She said her health was gone, her health was destroyed. She said when we, before we were married, while we went away to it, came back. And since that time, I've been on the operating table three times. I've been on the operating table three times. Oh, you say, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. But don't forget this. You not only reap it, but others reap it with you. Others reap it with you. The responsibility of it all. Then let me talk about the repetition of the past. What I have written, I shall write again. What I have written, I shall write again. Habit is formed that way. Habit is formed that way. This river is running down a channel it cut years ago. I fold a piece of paper and open it. It falls back to the same foe. You sow a word, you reap an act, sow an act, and you reap a character, reap a, sow a character, and you reap a destiny. And you reap a destiny. There's where you stand. There's where you stand. Little boy in school. And he said he'd always write, I have went home. And the teacher said, you got to write, you have to write 100 times. I have gone home. And after school, she kept him in. And he wrote, and at the bottom of the paper, he said, Dear teacher, I have written 100 times. I have gone home, and now I have went home. That's the way we do it, my friend. The repetition of the past. I used to rabbit hunt. You stand on a stump and put the rabbit hound after the rabbit. He runs his circle and comes back. The detective knows that the criminal would return to the place of the, of the crime most of the time, and that's where they watch and that's the reason, my friend, because sin runs its course and comes back to its place. What I have written, I shall write again. Now let me just a couple of minutes say this. You say, Dr. Lakin, that's a, that's a pretty dreadful dark picture you've given. Is there no way that I can keep from reaping the dirty mess of my life? Is there no way? Yes, let me tell you. The man plants his cotton and the bull weevils gets it. The man sows his wheat and the freeze gets it. He doesn't reap. 
But when a man sows to the wind and reaps to the, he'll have to reap to the whirlwind unless one thing comes between the sowing and the reaping, and that's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, a little boy at school, had made such poor grades that he was so embarrassed about his grades and his, his book. But toward the end of the school, when the end of the school came, toward the middle of the school, he had improved greatly. The final day came, and so they to examine the work that they had done, and the parents were all in. And he watched them as they took his book, and he kept looking for that sad face. And they, they looked pleased, and they kept on, and they looked pleased. And finally he said, I wonder what it is. And he looked for the bad pages, and they'd all been torn out. He'd made such a good record, and the last the teacher had torn out the bad pages and left only the good. Well, that's not a good picture. Why? Because, my friend, your life and mine, the bad was not torn out because we were good. Not because we were perfect, but it was torn out because he, with his own hand, nailed to Calvary, tore out the, black, the bad part and gave us freedom in the sight of him. That's what it means. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.